Okay, so Ben Fitzsimons is not around, so we're going to record a podcast without the podcast wizard that is Ben, which is reckless, I know, and Ben can edit this and get rid of all us talking. So in the room, uh, hi, it's Mike Palin. Sorry, Ben. Sorry, Ben. Hi, yeah. is Mike Palin, supposed director of 267, but often get overtaken by the rest of the team, which is good. Uh, also in the room, it's Ellie. Ellie, say hi. That, that's what she said so far. Uh, and then our guest. What a joy our guest is this week. Josh Pyle. Woo-hoo. Say hi. Hello. Now, Josh Pyle, some of you may know him as Chua Chua. Some of you may know him as uh, uh, a previous third of the Princess to Kings. Amongst all other things. We've not spoken to him for a while, so we're going to find out what he's been up to. And our theme, Ellie and I have been chatting about a theme, that we've been sort of wrestling with probably for a few years, we've been talking about it, is how do you separate out or how do you get the best out of musicians when performance and leading worship can really cross over so how because obviously it's great having great musicians but actually we never want to be in an act of worship that feels like a gig or performance i remember reading about ren collective saying they struggle with this because you're paying to go to a gig Mm. but it feels like worship and then there's been a lot recently about the bethel green room vip passes which we'll probably talk to so we're talking about this subject of actually you know how do we how do we navigate that and josh is both obviously a worship leader he's been a uh, a musician are you described as a pop star i, I wouldn't <laughs> go so far as a pop star i'd say a niche niche pop star but you guess, look like a pop star i'll take that, I love that. <laughs> I'm right with that. so i think josh has got a lot to say about this and then ellie and i, I think will happily and confidently say we have zero musical ability Everyone, and even my son will probably agree. So, we'll, so actually, so Josh is already the most qualified no, person to speak about this in the room. I can't DJ though. I've seen you be nice. Oh, yeah, that's oh, true. Oh, that is a music. See, that baffles oh, me. See, when you... Okay. I can't do it. Really? It's like a spaceship. Do you want to, it baffles you. <laughs> I'm, I'm so envious of people who can do it. I'm like, I can teach you. You can... Oh, you can oh there we go. There's a crossover. Like right there. I can see it. Worship DJ. You see all these things on the radio now. Somebody with David Greta or... What's the other one? Joel Corey. Yeah, yeah, That's basically what you two could be. Yeah. Love that. Because you want to do some more kicking. But our sort of thinking question was... Almost quite indulgent. If you could see any musical artist or band and get backstage parches, passes to hang out with a band, so triple A passes, mm. who would you be? Or you, or and you can say a gig that you have been to that was really good. Because I said life changing, and Ellie said, "Well, no Nothing. gig's going to be life changing." Yeah. <laughs> this was a really hard question for me because I just don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> we've realised that Ellie has got no sort of worldly sort of desires, desires all, which, is, which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So, but going back, so I saw Bon Jovi in 1980, sorry, I was in Wembley Stadium and I got to the pit at the front where they only had a few, and I was like 25 yards from... Did you cry? John, no, I didn't cry. <laughs> but there was something quite... Well, maybe we'll talk about it, something quite spiritual about being with someone so they have such presence. Because I can imagine if I'd have been in Wembley Stadium when Queen played the Live Aid gig that everyone yeah. talks about being, there'd have been something quite spiritual about that. So I think I'd quite like to see, now, I'd like to see Queen if they were mm. all still around. I think a Queen gig that'd be incredible. would be, and hang out with them, even though oh. obviously quite eccentric, but I think musically I think it'd be quite fun to... See them live. Yeah, I think the atmosphere would be quite. Yeah, yeah. 
I've watched. Have you seen Bohemian Rhapsody? Before? Yeah. You know, so the live of it, my mum watched Live Aid when it happened, and she was like, like not obviously not there, but on TV, and she was like, it's just the craziest experience. Like even watching it on telly. Yeah. And yeah, because it's like the performers, aren't they? Well, he particularly like he, wasn't. He was. And whole line of it, they had like U two playing as well. Yeah. U two is one that I'd like to see. Yeah. So who's your who's your dream one then, Josh? Well, mine. So there was one. Okay, my dream one would be John Mayer. I've already seen him live. But the story is, I went to go see him live with my brothers and uh, a guy called Sam, who's my godbrother. And um, went to the gig, amazing gig. And my manager messaged me afterwards being like, I didn't tell you at the time, but I could have got you backstage. It just fell through. Oh. And I was like, if you told me at the start of the gig, I'd be crying. Like, I'd be so annoyed. So that's my experience of a gig that I nearly met someone. An actual gig. Um, oh, such a hard one. I think, like, for me, Stevie Wonder would be one. Oh, my word. I think oh, Motown and all was, that kind of I music. I was going to say Motown. Yeah. <laughs> Motown and that kind of music has always inspired me as a musician. And Stevie Wonder is just incredible. Yeah. yeah. Stevie Wonder is incredible. Oh, I, say Motown, I forgot about I that. that. So I was going to say Al Green. Oh. Because I love Al Green. Yes. I've always loved Al Green. But I was kind of like brought up on Jamiroquai and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Both very They're touring this year. Are they? Yeah, they're coming. But like I saw Jamiroquai live. No way. Yeah, I did, and it was really good. And he's just really cool. I think he's a really cool character. So I'd like to meet him backstage. And in his videos, he he looked like he threw really good house parties. So that'll <laughs> be good. It would be a good. Yeah, he seems like a character. Yeah. I did get backstage at gig once, but I don't know whether I want to confess to who it was because <gasps> it was awful and the people were awful. I uh, saw E Seventeen. No way. Before they were really sort of famous in yeah, a sports yeah. centre in Kettering, and then. Yeah, and then was at the bar drinking with them. Wow. And I don't even know that is. They're like, wow. Uh, how would you describe them? It's like sort of pop. Mm. Yeah, almost like they were sort of, I don't know whether they were as big as One Direction, but it was a so at the time they were big, but yeah. they were quite short-lived. Yeah, it was a one-hit wonder. And they're very niche in their sort of following, which probably, well, I didn't go for me, I went because of a friend. <laughs> but I remember being really unimpressed with them. The celebrityness of them and how, just how, just yeah, how they were just not very nice people. Yeah, I'm sure you are. I take it all back. <laughs> if, if you're listening, if you're listening to our podcast, come on the... I don't know your names now, but I remember being probably like, are now because they're not famous. Yeah, and maybe because when you're younger and starting out, mm. you have a bit more of an ego. I don't know. Well, maybe it's like a humbleness, isn't it, that, that comes with age? I feel like of like, of like older celebrities now they've had it. Yeah. Like, even Bieber, if you look yeah. at it now, compared to wow. before. Yeah. Actually, that's one person I'd love to meet. But age is obviously experienced the most, like, fame anyone ever has at that age. And then now, like, coming, sort of slightly coming out of it, his interviews now are massively different. Yeah. Well, that's quite, good, that's quite a good segue then. So we know of Bieber currently yeah. that he is on a faith journey. Yeah. It's hard to know unless you meet him and talk to him. Mm. Quite honest. But recently he's recorded with the Maverick City guys, who obviously in sort of some of the people that listen to us, we'll all know that Maverick City probably saved our pandemic in terms mm. of the music they've produced. But I, what I noticed about Bieber when he recorded on stage with them, he turned his back to the audience, yeah. he was very away, and it felt like he wanted to worship rather than perform. Yeah, and it wasn't about him. And it wasn't really about him. And I think, yeah. how difficult, Josh, is that? Because you have been on stage where you've got a almost be a certain character. Yeah, definitely. And then you, other times you lead in church and you've almost got to switch it. And Bieber, I don't know, would it really hard for him to do? How would he have 
how or how mm. would you have navigated that conversation? I think first of all, it's interesting you picked up on that because that's exactly I watched it with some of my youth. Yeah, that's exactly what I know. So I was like, he's not leading worship. I don't think. I think at the heart of every worship leader is a worshiper. That's important to remember. Right. Like I adore worship. That's why I do it. And actually, part of luckily for me, part of my worship is leading. Naturally, being as a collective worshiping, um, but the individual times of worship and quiet time are so important as well. And so I think it's hard for Justin when he's, I don't know, he's like, when does he have his quiet time? He's a pop star, yeah. he's releasing albums still, he's had a number one album recently, and it's that actually where is his quiet time? And if his quiet time's just on stage in front of other people, I don't blame him for turning around. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't say he's then leading worship. Yeah. Leading, you have to be aware. No, no matter what you say, if you close your eyes for the whole worship set, you can't see what's going on in the room. Right. And the difference between playing the set that is a worship set and leading the room. Yeah. Or leading them into a pres- into a place where they can meet with God. I feel like people is doing the first, not, not yeah. the latter. Because I feel like leading as well, isn't that a lot more like performance sometimes as well? Like where's mm. the separation of... Well, I think you touched on it. The reading the room thing is quite key, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's not about you. You're trying to... Mm. You try and take people on a journey, yeah. mm. and so I wonder whether what's against us at the moment is is purely numbers. So most of the things that we watch on, say, YouTube and big churches, we're not in those sort of mm. mortal places that we would exist, where we're in a church with maybe fifty, a hundred people. Mm. You're in places that are tens of thousands. Mm. So therefore, and my wife leads worship, and she would say she likes to look out the room yeah. and see if people are engaged with a song and whether she needs to carry on that song a bit, you know, with the instrumental. Whereas actually when you're in a stadium with 50,000 people mm. and there's no lighting, mm. could it, could it, could you lead somebody in worship or are you just playing Christian music? I think intimacy is a massive part of worship. Like having that connection in terms of like, yeah, in terms of like being in like a room, I feel like it's a bit easier for me as a worship pastor when I've got a congregation of 100 of evening service or whatever, like that's easier for me than leading to thousands of people because you can't individually connect. You just, yeah. you just can't. It, that's for the spirit to connect with them. You can't. You can't have that connection on that stage, mm. and so it's a mammoth task to try and lead thousands of people. And unless you're united as a whole band and as a yeah. whole, and importantly, the work, the service leader yeah. and the speaker and the, the prayer team, if you're all united as one front. You can then lead from your individual spheres in the pressing, but lead one-on-one with people because they're praying with them. Yeah, yeah. The speaker can connect with people because he knows what's going on in the room and can sense what God's saying. Whereas I, I feel like, and maybe I haven't seen the, the full context, I feel like Beaver was thrown on stage with Maverick City. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was quite good for both of them to be on stage with each other. It was my, yeah. amazing yeah. witness. Like I, I saw Beaver do a thing recently where, I think it may be the same thing, but he did like this sort of worship style thing like worship songs but he was singing and then they had loads of Bieber's fans came who weren't Christian like thousands of people and yeah. then they had a talk from is it Judas Smith came on right. the talk so these these people who yeah maybe they're not Christian and maybe Justin was leading the worship but the fact that they've heard a talk from Judas Smith and there was a call to prayer and there was a call to giving your life to Christ within that thousands of people yeah. in the arena that's a pretty cool testament I think yeah. to what he's done so maybe it's a different so we've got to separate out these things here. so was that an act of worship mm. was that church service yeah was that gig? Yeah. And I think that's where we sometimes want everything to be one thing, don't we? That actually you could do a gig, a church service and a worship in yeah. one place. But actually, it's quite hard to do that. It's hard to make them like exclusive from each other sometimes. Yeah. Did you have to get your head in the game 
when you lead worship. Say, say you've had a gig on the Saturday night mm. and there's however many thousands of people at your Francis Thousands King's of gig. middle-aged mums. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was in a room with maybe a couple of hundred people and mm. then you, were, you played the pub in the park. Well, yeah, and it's interesting. So, like, that transition is, is weird. So, I, I did, a, a like, a kids' festival, um, a kids' worship festival in the summer. It's called Detonate. It's one of those in, near all my churches. And I was kind of co-leading the worship set. Lots of, like, cool kids' songs um, with the All-Stars kids guys, which was cool. And I... So, I think I'd done something the week before with the boys. And then someone came up to me and was like... Like, after leading a worship set, which I thought was a really, like, cool time of worship, and they were like... By the way, can I, can you do a video message for my my my? I think it's niece who's a massive fan of you. And I was like, where's the? There's no drawing line between that wow. actually. And like it is a, especially especially with with youth and kids worship. You've got to engage them. But then I'd argue that you should let the Holy Spirit engage them. Yeah, it's 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 so hard to find the balance because there's a lot of crossover in the giftings, isn't there? Actually, yeah. we want. I mean, charisma is a really helpful thing of a, a leader, preacher. Mm. When you want, like you said, you want this to be interesting, exciting. It's got to matter yeah. to us. And actually really good quality mm. musicians, mm. which you really want as well. Yeah. Although interestingly, I've experienced Ooh. in my yeah. church, because my church is quite small, people that are not very good, but they've really like connected with people and led people and... It's been really Holy Spirit filled, so yeah. it's quite an interesting. It's 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 individual, isn't it? Because the Bible says, "Bring excellence, bring the best you can." And excellence doesn't mean perfect. I hate this idea that it has to be perfect. Yeah, it's the idea that that person who isn't very good, that their excellence is as best as they can get, which is that excellence is subjective because mm, everyone's yeah. different. And that's the downside because we see things online. Yeah. That are probably had a hundred takes and with a nice filter on the front. Yeah, and a nice filter, uh, and... a good sound system. Whereas, and that isn't like the reality of our churches. So there is something, you're right, something about the sort of purity of and rawness of the humble worshipper, maybe, the person that just mm. starts singing in the congregation yeah. and their voice isn't amazing, but they lead. I remember years ago, we were at the Youth Work Conference when it was in its previous incarnation in, in Eastbourne. Eastbourne. And uh, a very lovely venue, but maybe 1,000, 1,200 youth workers there. Beth Croft was leading worship, and the whole power went out in the whole place. Wow. So literally everything went. Emergency lights came on, and then she started singing Ten Thousand Reasons" with no power. And I kid you not, I can still get hairs in the back. I still remember that moment mm. because there was something about that. It feels unstripped down. That sort of that's what it's about, yeah. rather than all that. Yeah, all the add on. So you couldn't see anything else. You couldn't see the other people. Mm. You weren't reliant on mm. twelve instruments sounding perfect, coming amplified. You would just had a voice that was then, yeah. you know, and there was something quite powerful about that. And worship's messy. Yeah, it's massively messy. The church, church ministry, you know, with youth is messy. Like everything is messy. Not once has something entirely gone how I wanted it to go. <laughs> thing. Really? That, that's not a bad thing at all. That's just. I think there's a beauty in that mess. And when something goes catastrophically wrong, it's kind of actually a bit of a, a dropping of the shoulders, and a bit of like a sort of posture thing where everyone's like, okay, we're all in this together. We're all human. Mm. We're, actually, let's unite under this. You can kind of laugh at the fact that it's not gone perfectly. And that kind of, like there's a, there's a joy in the laughter and the, the shared sense of like, oh, we just have to worship. There's nothing else yeah. to do. There's nothing to hide behind. 
I suppose it's testimony to the fact that it gives God more glory because you know that Absolutely. it wasn't perfect yourself and as a worship team you know that it's not but then you see all these people connecting and it's because of God mm. not. and maybe almost sometimes God pushes us to that place because yeah. I think the skill of a great worship leader and this is only obviously from a me viewing it not being one quite clearly but having led and preached at services you sort of you lead people in a wider act of worship not necessarily musical worship mm. but the idea is with everything is you want to almost deflect people's attention off you to mm. god so whether you're preaching you don't necessarily want them to come and say oh your sermon was great yeah you want them to come away and say oh god really spoke to me through what you said and it's the same almost with the musical aspect is it you don't want them to go oh you're great at guitar that's a great encouragement yeah but you want to say actually you really helped me mm. i haven't been able to you know be in a space like that being quiet like that for a long time it's that deflecting i think is the real skill isn't it it's oh, it's so hard i find it really hard when people say like oh, great worship set i'm like okay that's great <laughs> okay if 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 i led you to a place where you, where you did some good spiritual work within like your relationship with god that's great Someone's like, oh, I love that new Phil Wickham tune. I'm like, oh, it's not what it's about. Yeah. Oh, it's not about. It's so, not what about. is your response to help? Say, we're talking. If we're talking discipleship, we want to help each yeah. other on a journey. What do you say to someone that says, "That was a great worship set"? Mm. I think if if someone's like, I think in terms of personal gifting, it's fine. So if they're like, oh, you've you've got a real heart for worship, or I can see that you can lead people well. That that's actually important to take that on because God's given me that. Yeah, that's important to. And we all need encouragement. We all need encouragement. Yeah. Encouragement is a massive part Absolutely. of ministry. Without it, we'd all fall over and yeah. die probably. <laughs> um, I certainly would. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in terms of worship set, when someone's like, "That's a good worship set," I think it goes back to the time where someone was like, oh, "So I think I was leading at my old church for like a month because the worship leader was away." And someone went, oh, that really didn't do it for me, the worship set. And I was like, oh, and, and no, 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 my response, very in mind, I, I was exhausted from doing my <laughs> Yeah, I just went, well, it's not about you, so. And now that's not what you should say. But the premise. The true, yeah. The premise is that, so less that's sassy yeah, but, yeah, would be better. But it is like. <laughs> but I'm like, but also it's good to be like, maybe ask them, as, as, mm. as in the Bible, Jesus answer questions with questions. <laughs> just do it yourself and be like. What 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 was good about it? And if yeah. they say, "Oh well, I really had a great encounter," that's great. Yeah. If they go, oh, I really, oh, "Just love that battle belongs," I feel like I'm like, okay, then you go into it, but actually, think I, I'd have to think about how I respond in terms of like, where is it centered? And actually, was it my fault that I've centered it around the excitement of the new song? Yeah. I don't know where I'm leading from, and so then have you have accountability, mentors and teams, and you have to have good structure around you in order to make sure you're not. Yourself and forgetting what's and so for Saul to talk about. So you talked at the beginning about being a good worship leader as a worshipper. Mm. Let's take away the Sunday gathering. Yeah. Let's take away the sort of big mm. festival gathering. Mm. How do I engage with worship at home? Because I know we talk a lot about mm. listening to music, don't we? And mm. how do mm. what's a good way for? Because I think I think one of the downsides of some of the big worship aspects mm. is that we feel I can't worship unless I'm in that environment yeah. mm. and obviously that's ridiculous yeah massively so actually what what are, what are some ways that have really helped you or maybe you've encouraged people because mm. I'd say to that guy actually it's brilliant thank you but what about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday how are you what's your what's your sort of rhythm of yeah. worship quiet time I think it's difficult so I had a chat with my uh, worship leader friend of mine the other day about it listening to worship music for me 
it's hard to separate it from being your job. So I, I have to be on it in terms of being modern and being kept up with all the worship stuff. And the same with like when you work at a church and you have your days off, you're like, I caught myself being like, oh, I just want to have a day without God. And then I was like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, where am I? What am I doing? And, and actually it's part of, you're right, it's part of like, where do we get fed and where do we find that time? For me, it sounds really simple, but it's just reading the Bible. Because when I was younger, I wasn't very good at it at all. And then when you actually read it, you're like, you were just, I was completely slain in the spirit. I was reading about um, when Mary's pregnant and then the baby inside another person's tummy starts kicking for joy. And I don't know what it was, but it just like flattened me. Wow. And so reading the Bible, being thankful, I think. Also, if you're frustrated, telling God you're frustrated. Yeah. And actually, yeah, using it as a, because God wants, God knows what's on your heart, but he wants to hear it. You know, whereas for us, it's sometimes a bit of a static radio where you're trying to find out where he is. Mm. But for you, he's got a constant feed. And actually where you need, sometimes you need to, it's like with your, your parents or your friends, when you just rant at them for like an hour, that's so important as well. God Come wants on. to hear you rant. Mm. Communication. What, yeah, what works for you, Ali? Yeah, basically all those things. <laughs> um, but I think, like, actually going outside is helpful for, to, like, mm. no matter the weather, like, just connected in nature, I think is really beneficial for me which I haven't really been doing that much but um but yeah I always feel better after a big rant which you kind of like hold off and you let it build up but then as soon as I've let it go I'm like mm. oh yeah you could handle that and I feel a lot lighter now so I think yeah it's big you can take it you can take it all and I always say this and I even say this to my son like any thoughts that you've had he's already seen them so yeah. you should not yeah. be afraid even if it's the most disgusting, like, whatever it is, if you've had the thought, mm. or even before you've had it, you know you're going to have it. Mm. He's like, he knows what you're going to do. So it's not too big or too disgusting for God to take or deal with. And it's that relationship, it's that conversation, isn't mm. it? Because if you think back to, if we take the Psalms as almost being the the, the musical equivalent mm. of the Maverick Cities and the Bethels and the Hill Songs, you know, like, they are full of rants what why is wise confusions yeah. questions yeah. as well as you know love adoration and there is that we, we need that honesty we don't just want to say yeah god i love you god i want to follow you yeah he, he, yeah it's great to say that if we mean it yeah. but actually god i'm i'm really struggling and jesus did the same actually, on the <laughs> cross he was like he was terrified why why like lazarus he like mourned and like wept yeah because he was fully man and fully god you said something interesting about wanting like a day away from God and then obviously yeah. you realise which is just really interesting because <laughs> yeah. I can relate to that and understand that but I think sometimes we can get confused with church and God because yeah. sometimes I'm like I just want to break from church and I associate church with God mm. but actually obviously I don't ever want to be away from God but mm. sometimes I think there can be so many things including mm. worship and then we get confused with what worship is and sometimes it can feel like a job and when you're in ministry a lot it can just get so much that then when you want to actually worship God, you feel like it's a chore. So there's other ways, I think, that you can find to worship. But, yeah, that's, that's I can relate to that, because sometimes I'm like, I just want to break, but then, like, I don't want to break from God, because I love God, <laughs> and God is the best thing, but mm. I'm trying to find... It's finding that rhythm, isn't it? Because yeah. we say that, we even say the phrase, I'm going to church, as though it's a... A place, a, like, yeah. where God I'm, is. I'm going to do this now, yeah, yeah, and then I'm going to stop doing it when I come home from church. Yeah. You know, it's like... Well, it's it's like when Paul says, I think it's is it Colossians, where he's like, like he says, like, like me as a minister, and he's a minister because we're all ministers. 
like even if you don't work for a church you're still a minister yeah mm, yeah and it's like you're all called to be part of the body of the church in the same way that like it's not you're right it's not a location it it's a it's a group with joint suffering mm. but also joint joy mm. and actually part of discipleship is doing all of that and actually when, when a church suffers i find it like i remember when i was younger and like stuff's going on in my old church and I, i'd like just in general i like, would like let's say youth wasn't on and i'd be like oh, this is rubbish like whatever and then i really struggled with suffering i like really struggled and then i read the verse about i'm going to rejoice in my suffering and i was like what on earth is this? <laughs> the suffering church and then i chatted to recently i chatted to my vicar at money church about it and he was like we're chatting about it in general and then god just gave me the word like an unsuffering church is an irrelevant church wow i don't know what it meant and then it was about actually wrestling with the things of the Bible where we say why and how and what is this happening like in Psalms as a church not in a place but as a church whether that's with a friend you're still as a church mm. when one or two are gathered in mind was more than two are gathered yeah. in my name yeah. yeah so you can we could we could be a church we are part of the church the, the global church mm. so actually where where are you finding time to, to go to church that isn't on a Sunday yeah absolutely Okay, let's let's talk about some of the things that we know have been in the news that we touched on. So the whole VIP <laughs> ticket oh, green thing. Have you picked up on this, Ellie? No. So I think it was it was Bethel that was it Hillsong or Bethel? Oh. I can't remember which one. I think it was they were touring with Chris Tomlin. I think it was Bethel. Oh, and basically, they, they it sort of blew up. Well, it blew up the Christian internet, isn't it? Because yeah. everyone's you know Christians, we love to have an opinion about yeah. things. We do. Um, but it was the idea that they were promoting a new album, a new tour. With, with Chris Tomlin, but they were they were offering oh, offering green room passes, so access to hang out with the band as though they were, yeah. you know, Stevie Wonder or something. Yeah. And then, like, I think it was tours of the gantry overlooking the stage. And basically these sort of were increments of higher cost. Yeah. And then loads of people were like, you know, absolutely tearing them apart. And then I read a really good article from the guy from the Rend Collective who gave this really balanced response of people need to remember that gigs cost money, tours cost money, and this is their job, you know, this is their role, they've got a, this is their living, so actually you can't necessarily do it for free, so therefore these things cost. And so there was, a, he, was he wasn't saying I'd advocate it, but he was saying people need to understand the cost of things mm. to go on tour, to play a gig, to record an album, mm. and finding this balance. But it felt like... Most of us found that really yeah. unpalatable, didn't we? That the idea that it was was it the celebrity yeah, the, the thing we felt we were treating them as celebrities that actually I want to sit and have a picture with Chris Tomlin. Was that the uncomfortable thing? Because I don't know whether it is the paying thing. No, because for it's me not. it's like I buy I buy a ten pound album mm. in a heartbeat and not feel bad about that. I yeah. I pay more for a ticket than have that culture. Because it's the same, like, like during lockdown, so I think it was Worship, Central Worship for you or whatever, did a, uh, a course, a songwriting course, I think it was, or like a worship leading thing, you pay a certain amount a month, and you could pay more to have a one-on-one video call with Brandon Lake, for example. Okay, yeah. And I was like, okay, if it's like, like getting advice, that's amazing. If it's, I've got a picture of Brandon Lake. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's idolising, isn't it? That's yeah. Like, so... The balance is so, especially nowadays with people like Maverick City who mm. are amazing and so worship-hearted, 
but every Christian knows who they are pretty much. Mm. And wants to be seen with and them. And to be seen with them. And because beavers associated with them, <laughs> then there's then the celebrity culture is literally in the in the culture of the church. And from my under, sorry, no, okay. from my understanding of them, it seems like that that Maverick City and Dante particularly is, are literally fighting against that all the time. Absolutely. Even in the lyrics, they're trying to say it's not about me. It's not about yeah. it's literally, and it's almost like. It, they, they're getting dragged into it yeah. by the nature of the machine that is Christian worship. Mm. Whereas actually they are trying to say, you, you've missed the point, all of you. You know, he says on what his old church basement one, he says, yeah. you know, actually it just started with a guy who bought a guitar who couldn't play the guitar <laughs> and we were just in this dirty hall and that was probably one of my greatest worship times. And it's almost like he's trying to, that is our attitude rather mm. than what we maybe see on YouTube with all the lights and the... Is, is that down to the heart of the worshipper, though, the heart of the individual, in terms of, like, going to it? Because, I mean, there's things in the church that, in general, in the UK, that are there that you can choose not to partake in. Yeah. Like, certain attitudes, certain, like, similar things to what you've spoken about. Is it your job as an individual, wherever you stand on it, to stand against it? Or should it be a shared, united front against this celebrity wow. side of worship? Oh, that's a, quite a hard thing to do. Though. I think it's, people have to remember that they're not worshiping the worship; they're worshiping God. Like yeah. I think people just have that. Because what I like about Maverick City is that they, they some of their videos that they do, they're not on a stage; they're just in the middle mm. of a crowd. Yeah. And there's loads of people around them. And then there's been a few things that I even spoke about earlier that I don't like the whole stage up on stage and mm. like all the lights and everything's dark mm. because it's more of a performance than it is mm. about God. Yeah. And you do feel like that they are trying. I mean, a couple of a few years ago, that house fires tried to create this more lounge idea that they were just sitting around like this, mm. which Mavericks did. And I and I think the the they're trying to get away from that idea of we're here, you're there, yeah, we're we're performing, you're receiving, yeah. and they've tried to make it actually. No, we're doing this together. It's an act of worship together. Mm. And you almost think, well, actually, fair play to you. And then the problem is that we've made it worse because we've mm. then idolised that and you look at the hundreds of thousands of views. Do you know what it makes me think of, though? You know, like, in Moses, or not, when Moses was about, and he went up to the mountain and he went away for a little while. And they oh, started yeah. worshipping cows. It's like, it's like almost like people struggle with worshipping God, so they need to worship something. It's so a they thing, worship yeah. The scene. yeah. And no, that's a really good point. Yeah. yeah, they couldn't wait. And they didn't have a thing, so they made a thing. Yeah. And it's, I mean, especially post-COVID, like, for some points, it literally, there was no other way except having, we're here and you're there. Mm. Mm. Through a script. I mean, it's how we found Maverick City. I found them on Instagram because they were there and I'm here. And they almost yeah. blew up that early 2020 yeah. just when we needed them. Mm. To like, now, but it's almost like, actually, how do we... Where do they fit in now? Yeah, how do we almost detox from... Mm. The funny thing is as well, on Alexa, so coming my son, like, <laughs> at bedtime, he always listens to Jesus music, and this is, like, he just, it's just Maverick City, we go, Alexa, Maverick City music, and it just plays the same songs over and over again, and then I didn't even realise, that's all I listen to now, because it's always yeah. on at bedtime, it's like, they've just taken There's a lot worse things to listen to. No, I know, I'm not saying that, <laughs> yeah. but I'm just realising as we talk, like, yeah, yeah, Maverick City has just taken over, that's bedtime every night, which is good. Yeah, I, I think there's been a culture uh, quake in yeah. worship, in terms of like so so when when we did youth just outside like just after lockdown it was in the church building like the actual church bit big lights big blah, 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 blah. and then the last few weeks we've hosted it in our little youth room 
with like fairy lights and a few little lights, but still quite dark, but nothing in your face. And the first time we did it, all the younger youth, which I'm surprised by, said we much prefer it in here because it's mm-hmm. less it, it's less Intense. swallowing, I think, yeah. as a, an area. And maybe that's a a shift you see in worship now. Like Mavericks, the way Maverick City started, I think, is the intimacy there. Even if you're not there, even if you're just watching it, I think yeah. there's more of a humbleness to that than like Bethel's new album is great. But I watched one of the live performances and I was like, it's just massive. And it's and it's huge, big stage, big spaces. Yeah. Whereas actually, can we relate a bit more to Dante and was it Marianne George really yeah. like just sitting around a piano, mm. almost pouring out their hearts? So well, even like spoken word with one person. Yeah, like, I find that like um, these guys called Orphan No More. They're like a Ryan Collective in Bath, I think, and uh, one of they did like a Christmas service during lockdown. We watched it on live stream. Just to translate, we call that Bath. Yeah. around here I think bath, yeah. I think just because so people be Bosch, listening they'll be yes. like where's Josh from <laughs> why is he saying bath yeah, my dad's a Mancunian so that's why I'm yeah. um, in bath uh, and uh, and this, so they did obviously they did like, quite a big worship set and then this guy came out and did spoken word for two minutes just straight from the bible it was amazing and I was like actually there's a humbleness mm. and a beauty in that mm. and maybe that again that goes to our mistranslating the word worship because yeah. our brain says Maverick City when I remember writing about worship at the beginning of the pandemic because we couldn't do church almost music mm. actually the translation of I think in my understanding for most of the references in the Old Testament is to just physically put yourself on the floor so face down mm. so the attitude of wor- the worship wasn't something you did it was where you placed yourself. It was a posture. It was a posture thing. Yeah. And I thought it's really interesting because anytime you say worship now, we think music because mm. that's what we've been almost like programmed with, the culture yeah. thing. But actually, it's not a bad, always a bad culture. But actually, if we would say, actually, I want to worship God, it's actually it's a positional thing, isn't it? It's how, do you, how do I approach God um, in everything, you know? And it's like I had this thought as well, like we can say like that we're worshiping God and we want to worship God and think that we're doing a good thing by worshiping God. Or like let's just say, okay, all day I just put music on and I was worshiping God from my house, but then I wasn't doing the things mm. like my job that I know is an act of worship to God because he put me in that position or like ministry or youth. Like there's, it's almost like it, it voids all the worship that I've been doing. Like I'm singing to God <laughs> and I'm just like praising him and it's, it can be quite selfish because then I'm not, Doing the other acts of If you said to me, Mike, I'm taking a day off to listen to worship music all day, I'm not going to go against that. If yeah. you did it every day. No, that's what I'm saying. So if it's yeah. a time that you're supposed to be doing other stuff. So, Mike, uh, yeah, just at home again. Worshiping again. again. Yeah, yeah. worshiping again. Is that all right? I'm not going to say anything. Um, okay, so we've got about five minutes left. How do I. Oh, that was what I was going to. I knew it'd come back to me. So, as someone who's completely non musical. Yeah. And don't feel I have a very good voice. I'm not just saying that in a self-deprecating way. I know I don't have a very good voice. <laughs> and for automatically some worship sometimes is a barrier for me. Yeah. But I love listening to music. What would you say to me in terms of how I can keep on listening to worship music, like maybe, but then engage in worship mm. myself? Where, yeah, where's your output? Where's my, where's my place yeah. in a world and a culture and a church which is... I wouldn't say obsessed in a bad way, but we put quite a lot of weight on that. So if you said to me, Mike, sit in a sermon, 40-minute sermon about, I'd be like, yeah, I love that, I love my notebook, yeah. well in that. Yeah. 
at home, I try to have my quiet times, but actually the singing bit, I almost oh, want to do it, yeah. but I don't have no skills or gifting that, so I find it quite hard to mm. step into that place. Even that question, like, it, it makes me upset, though. Go on, you answer it, and then I'll say oh. why. I don't want to make Ellie upset. <laughs> oh, no, Ellie. <laughs> why? You answer the question, and then I'll say why. <laughs> oh, um, no, I'm upset, Ellie. She's going to have another day just listening to music while we're working. <laughs> working in the corner. Another day. <laughs> um, uh, there's, there, there's a beauty in, in waiting, I think. And like we're all, we all have different ways of worshiping put on our heart. Mm. And so for a while, I was opposite of you. Where I was like, obviously, so like singing is one of my things I love doing. Like worship, being a worship leader, like is my form of worship. I love it. Um, but speaking, I was like, don't ever make me speak. <laughs> I would hate it. I I was terrified of it. And then, and then. Like, I was basically forced, not forced as part of my job, but they, they, they offered me the chance to do it, and I prayed, and then God was like, you need to just push. I was like, okay. And then, yes, in the uncomfortableness, that's not great, but trying that that form of worship, now I adore speaking, and I'm, then maybe you look at the Bible more, because you're planning a talk, you have to read the Bible. Every minute you do a talk, you put an hour into that sort of thing. Yeah. And so, I guess it's just, it sounds really bad when I say trial and error, but it's listening. Mm. Maybe... Because you're still worshiping when you're not actively outpouring. Yeah, yeah. Your if your attention is on what God's doing, that is an outpour. Mm. It's like finding what clicks for you, isn't it? Yeah. So my oh, Claire, I love Claire Bannon talks about God language. Yeah. And it's almost like I like that. If yeah. if you're in a if you're in a Chinese restaurant and the buffet's there, yeah. you don't normally have a bit of everything. You yeah, normally find what yeah. you like, what connects to it. And so I think whether it's that finding what is your God language, because you said about creation, I'm a hundred percent with you. I feel closer to God halfway up a mountain mm. or on the beach than I ever do in church, which yeah. sounds really bad for church. So I think it's almost finding your God language, isn't it? The, where yeah. you can then connect. And preference isn't sinful at all. No. At all. I think it's That's annoying when people say, oh, like, like I struggle to worship to some, some forms of worship music. And that's not... I say struggle to worship, I struggle to actively outpour. Yeah. And people, and some people are like, well, actually, you should... Worship should, it shouldn't be a preference. You should be able to worship wherever, in the life, wherever, like wherever you are. And actually, God made us uniquely different. Yeah. I lead worship in a different way to, like, Finn or Zach would lead worship. That's and also, we all like different music. Yeah. You wouldn't force someone. No. And God wouldn't want you to be forced. No. Because that's why you made people, you, God made everyone. You made people with different, you made people from, yeah. from Justin Bieber to you two to yeah. whoever. Because, because preference is in uniqueness. Is beautiful and powerful. Absolutely. As part of free will as well. That, that's what makes us... And we learn from each other. Masculine. When I see masculine. how you engage and how you see God, that makes me learn. Now, Ellie, why did that make you sad? I actually can't remember the, now what I was going to say. Because I was going to say, what was, what was your thing? What did you say? I, I can. Just, I think it was... I was struggling to engage worship because I'm not because musical. You're not, and I can't, yeah, you're and I can't not, sing. Yeah, but that made me sad because it doesn't have to be good. Like, everyone's got different skills. I know, I know, I know that. But... But, and it made me think of, basically, there's a worship leader at our church. And I remember someone at the back, the sound man, was, like, trying to tune her and make her sound really good. Mm. And I could see she was getting really stressed. And I had to stop her. And I pulled her over and I said, look, you are worshipping God. It's yeah. not about how good you are. It's not how good, like, how re- well-received you are with the congregation. Just worship God and then just be satisfied with that. And then after that, you could see, like, the weight was lifted. Mm. Because, and it made me really sad that... He made her feel like she had to be perfect for it to be a good act of worship. And I think I just get a bit concerned with it because we get so wrapped up in the 
the fanciness of absolutely a, mm. again I keep saying performance and all of that when mm. it takes away from actually if you did just have the people in the corner not worshipping very well it is still as powerful absolutely. that's a really good way to end because that's that sort of mm. humility again just to give people that maybe don't haven't come across people like Maverick C let's just chuck out a few people that we like listening to because yeah. I'm a big fan of United Pursuit yeah uh, who are slightly more Stripped down and chilled, and house fires, mm-hmm. and my friend's a big fan of a band called Sons of Cora, yeah, who yeah. they sort of bring the psalms back to yeah. musical life. Uh, any other things people listen to that you think mm-hmm. I've connected with that? If you want straight biblical truth in really beautiful Motown style songs, wow, Orphan No More, right, are incredible. Oh, sure. See, well, Ellie's all over the Motown now. Like they write, there's a lot of songs they write from like an individual perspective. Of like okay. a character, or is it? which is amazing. Uh, Orphan no more. Orphan. Orphan. Um, also, uh, Bethel's new album is like Homecoming is just yeah. a breath of fresh air. Uh, uh, Son of Suffering about Jesus being human. I think I think worship songs that have a fresh perspective. Actually, ha- having a a unique perspective coming out of a song is massively important mm. and probably refreshing for people who are struggling with worship. And in general, yeah, Maverick City are good to listen to. Um, Corey Asbury is very good as well. Yeah, my very wife's good. a big fan of Corey because he's done a lot of the, the. I mean, Bethel in general, like recently with all their, because they've got loads of different worship. Clams. It's quite good. Yeah. Because you've got people like David Funk who is young and upcoming. You've got Matt Redman on one of the songs, mm. and actually having that perspective and having that different experience levels is really good for the listener as well and the worshiper. Mm. It's not just one and since we've got a lot in our house as well. We've got a lot of the Christians that are playing good music. Yeah. Like, so like Switchfoot. Oh, I love Our Switchfoot. fans are big Switch fans. So they wouldn't say they're playing worship songs, but they're worshipful lyrics. We're meant to live for so much more. I know. Just amazing. Yeah. And people like, and I listen to a Need to Breathe, yeah, which are, yeah, yeah. you know, they, and Third Day. And so they're almost yeah. like, that. It, it wouldn't be a song that maybe you'd sing in church, mm. but they clearly got just deep, spiritually connecting lyrics. Yeah. And they're Christians that performing and we use that word again so yeah, it's, it's a whole really podcast dying. on that well, can't it, we? Yeah. it's similar to Beaver's last EP it was the I can't remember what it's called now but it's uh, it's not a worship album but it's his testimony he talks about being a 16 year old with a million dollars mm-hmm. and what wow. that led to and now where he is and like what and one of his songs is Where Do I Fit In wow. I love that one it's good isn't it it's so and good. so all the different perspectives actually maybe not to worship to but to listen to and actually take joy in that journey Absolutely. it's quite cool and we can find it everywhere any anyone any artists? Um, I really like Joseph Solomon. Okay. Um, which and the reason why I thought about that is because there's an app called Streetlights. I don't know if anyone's heard of it, and it's got books of the Bible, which is actually basically like in a hip hop wrapped way. That's cool. That is like at each. So streetlights. Streetlights. Okay. And. It's really good, and I really like it, and I connect with it quite well. And you can literally just play it, and it's the actual Bible, but and Joseph Solomon's in it as well. There you go. It's like Bible in a year, but like urban. Yeah, yeah, that's literally. Cool. See, the fact that you two have mentioned that, if I'd have even spoken about that, I'd have just been laughed out of town. <laughs> just like, get away with it, it's fine. Huh? The words <laughs> urban and hip hop have never been to my recovery. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go and listen to some streetlights now. <laughs> um, Wow, um, do come back to us on the podcast with your questions, thoughts. If you're a worship leader and you know, you've know you been wrestling with this, talk to us. I'm sure Josh would love to hear from you. Oh, Drop a message to 27. Or if you've got a, 
a, a band or an artist that's really helped you in your Monday through Saturday worship, let us know. We'd love to share that with other people. Uh, it's been a great. Can great I just add one more thing? Absolutely. Which I meant to say in connection to the other thing, but I forgot because I'm just forgetful. But again, back to the performance thing. Mm. I always, this is what I always think about. You know, Paul, even though he wasn't a worship leader and he wasn't a singer, well, he might have been, I don't know. But speaking-wise, people didn't actually like him and they didn't really want to listen to him and he wasn't that good. But look how powerful Paul was and yeah. how much he wrote in the Bible. So I just think sometimes... I'm not saying go out and be a worship leader if you're not very good, but it's, st- it's still... But you all lead worship in your own spheres. And yeah. Remember. You you lead worship what you do. The two yeah. success, all the two successful people lead worship in what you do. You lead worship and you lead you. It's yeah. not playing a guitar and having a decent voice. And so maybe the part two of this podcast would be actually, what is a life of worship? Oh, that'd be a great podcast. Would be a great one. So actually, how how do I worship in how I spend my social time, spend my money? How do you live in that posture? What I go to the cinema. Yeah, that yeah. posture would be yeah. really good. There you are. So we've just set up. Part two. Part two, uh, watch this space. It's been a joy. Bye. See you later.